Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Hey, hey, how are you feeling? Are you feeling better? I'm on the mend. I love my nephew to pieces and also toddlers are just full of germs and uh-huh. they're little petri it was, dishes it was a sacrifice that has now leaned into two weeks of snot and coughing and all the things worth it but also what the heck because he's not in traditional child care yet so I'm like where did you even get these germs I don't understand and I it's weird because I feel like Penny was more susceptible to that stuff like up until she was like four because I had a perpetual cold for like three years because of her. But as soon as she hit four, four and a half, like knocking on all the wood, she hasn't had those annoying, persistent, never go away colds. So I don't know. Well, I don't mind because the way I got woken up that weekend when he spent the night is he goes, Bonos, 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 and he needs help. And I'm like, "You're cute." Also, pretty sure your snot is just. Also, you're gonna get me pink eye. (laughs) Thanks, kid. I haven't been sick from kid germs, surprisingly, but I don't really have allergies. Like, especially when compared to people who like really for sure have allergies like my husband, but I'll get like a little sniffly if I'm outside. And we have been spending all the outside time lately because spring has finally sprung y'all. It is my favorite season. It is officially like as soon as work wraps up or I even have just one last phone call, my butt is outside on the deck in the sun in a tank top, just trying to get like vitamin D And I've been planning some, we've been finally like finishing our deck side in the back and then doing our fire pit area down below and like going to try to grow some grass. And we got some more evergreen trees to plant, which I'm really excited about. But then I finally decided, because I've been putting it off, which is the biggest mistake ever. I finally bought some peony bulbs. You're going to love it. And I just want to remind you. I know. 
it takes three to five years for them to really do much. I know. But every year I tell myself that and I'm like, well, if I had started this literally three years ago when we moved in. No, I know. They I know. No, I'm start. glad you did it finally. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying you're not really going to appreciate yourself for, for a while. while. I know. But they're in an area that's already cute and fine. They're just like adding there. I'm going to put them in a really sunny spot because they like the sun. But then I also picked up a bag. It was like $7 of just a shit ton of wildflower seeds because our backyard, I mean, you know, but like half of it is functional and great and flat and half of it is a hill and shady and like part sunny, but a lot of shade, a lot of big trees. There's a rock wall. It's a whole situation. And that's great with us because we don't really like to mow and like maintain, but it needs to like look pleasant. And so I'm just like scattering a shit ton of wildflower seeds. And I'm my dream eventually is to just have this beautiful cut garden that I can kind of walk through and get amazing flowers for my house. So in like eight years. I have so many things to say about this that I just like, I'm genuinely a little bit nervous, but I mean, great. I was in the same position. I thought that's what I wanted. I love me a cut flower garden. It's been a huge task of my spouse's to like, make sure that's always been a part of our yard and the wrong wildflowers become like wildflower bushes that like literally take over and they're so invasive. I'm fine with that. I would never call succulents invasive, especially here in freaking Kansas. But we have those sedum succulent. They're a succulent family, but they're sedums. For some reason, they thrive in my backyard, even though they don't get full sun. And they are invasive. And they have those like sticky kind of spiky balls on them. They're very, very tiny. And they, when we had dogs, they would get stuck in their fur. And it's just the whole thing. So I've been thinning those out for li- literally every year and just gifting them to people because they're so pretty, but I have so many of them. Yeah. Well, I'm very cautiously optimistic <laughs> for you because <laughs> the wildflower bags, great in theory, also can be a giant disaster. But my mom, so if you know anything about my history, I'm flower obsessed. And there was a show on the Magnolia Network put out about a flower farm and loved it. And the woman has since written a couple books, one of which is basically how to have flowers all year long and how to kind of like stagger them. Because it does mean in a lot of cases that you plant on top of your plants because different ones will pop up at different times. And I didn't think that was possible except at our old house. And this is the one thing I miss about my old street. There's this little old lady that she spent easily four hours a day in her yard and just perfectly curated it. But it also meant that she had literally optimized blooming so that it would As soon as spring came, we'd get tulips and then it would just like cycle through and there was like four or five different things that would happen throughout the summer in the same bed. And it wasn't like she was pulling stuff out and putting new things in because, you know, you go to those high end neighborhoods in Leawood, they're literally ripping the whole bed out Mm -hmm. and putting new stuff in Mm -hmm. that's 
fresh and blooming. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, we have a whole ring of tulips in our front yard that are stunning. And so maybe I can figure out what to put on top of them because yeah, they bloom for like two seconds. And you're right. like, okay, bye. Right. So I have a whole textbook worth of knowledge that if you would like to borrow at some point. Love, love. Well, it's exciting. Well, I'll keep you updated because I also bought some other bulbs of a little bit more shady plants like a different kind of hosta and some, oh, I can't even remember what they're called, but two other kind of things that are going to, I think, be really good. But they're going to come back and they're non-invasive, but they do grow really nicely. So we'll see. If I can get the deers across the street to stop eating my hostas. I was yelling at deers last year and Penny was like, so she learned how to you'd be mad at the deer too. And so she would see them like across the street. She'd be like, Janet, think about coming over here. My mama would be so mad at you. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you yell at him, sis. So I'll keep you all updated. Hopefully with beautiful pictures of wildflowers in my yard. <laughs> all right. Well, what's going on in boss project world these days? Want to do a little housekeeping? We have so many new things happening in the boss project world. And some of which you don't get to hear about yet. So stay (laughs) tuned. We have some exciting things up our sleeve for this summer. And I'm excited for you to hear more about that. But the big news on the street for the month of April 2022 is we have completely exploded. (laughs) Concert coming out of our eyeballs. The creative template shop. And it is officially all the places. So Emily, do you want to give them a quick rundown of all the new places they can find and interact with Creative Temple Shop? Yeah. So as you guys have probably noticed, the conversations here at Boss Project have up-leveled as our business has up-leveled, as our clients' businesses have up-leveled, and the conversations we're having here are incredible. And there's a little bit of like reminiscing on the old days about how truly our superpower is actionable bite-sized tutorial how-to content for that growing business owner. And it's just like, it's part of our educational soul that we could not ignore. And so we had the brilliant idea to just kind of split some of the content streams. So like what's happening here is not going to change. What's happening on the Boss Project Instagram is not going to change. Those conversations are perfect for you still. We decided to stop the content around the creative template shop over on boss project and give it its own platform. So you can find it on Instagram at creative template shop. It's also on TikTok at creative template shop. And if you go to creative template shop.com slash blog, you can find incredible resources over there too. So we're talking how to videos, how to get started, how to up level, how to grow Canva tutorials, Dubsado and other software tutorials, just tips and tricks that we've used and our clients have used and our amazing team is putting together for you all that are really going to help you see quick wins over there because we want that platform, those contents to really help you start, grow and get booked out. Like that's our goal over there through incredible templates, marketing and strategies. We are your support team over there. And so head over there to see all the content. If you're listening to this right now, live between April 12th and April 30th, 2022, then you can save. Did you know you can upgrade and save or join and save off our annual memberships. You can snack a hundred bucks off your annual by heading over to creativetemplateshop.com and you can use save 20 to get 20% off your first year. That unlocks 
literally hundreds of templates. I can't remember the value of what we're up to right now. Is it over 20K by this point? I think so. Like I it's bananas. So templates galore in three different colorways that are super beefy and really truly designed for you to look super professional from day one. So if you're not a designer or if you're sick of designing for your clients and you just want something quick and easy to put together, this membership is perfect for you. So definitely go check that out. Yes. Now today I really want to be talking to our service-based business owners, both from the perspective of you being someone else's client and you having contractors in your own business and what are the differences and nuances that we need to be paying attention to? Because one of the red flags that we talked about in our recent virtual conference was there is this underlying tendency for small business owners to quote unquote be employing contractors. And the juxtaposition there is very intentional because there is some things we are concerned with about you guys crossing some lines and crossing some boundaries. But when we discussed that, it was interesting to hear the feedback and concern coming as the provider in that situation, not just about employing other people. And so we wanted to have the conversation today about the nuances and differences between being someone else's contractor and actually having a contractor inside your own business. And we've really lingered on this conversation a lot from the being the employer standpoint in recent episodes. So there's a why hiring you 2.0 is a giant mistake. And then I think there's another one around hiring or pay the inequities of pay inside your own business that you're setting up. And those are really geared towards you as the founder, the boss, the employer. So definitely go listen to those further of that conversation. But you know, we talk about boundaries and burnout and what can we be doing to prevent burnout and really find happiness in our jobs again. When clients come to us, there's so many common feelings of being really resentful of the work that they're doing and really frustrated with themselves and their clients about how they've started this business because they're really good at what they do. And then they're doing less and less of what they're really good at and serving people in a way that just like doesn't light them up anymore. And typically people are thinking, okay, I need to burn it all down and start over. What you don't realize, and we know this because we've done this, is that if you choose that route, it's immediately effective, but long-term you're going to be right back to where you were because the ultimate cause of the problem, the root of the problem wasn't addressed. And so if we still don't know how to set boundaries, if we still don't know what our priorities are, if we still don't know what's actually bringing in the money versus wasting time, all of those things are still going to be a problem. But this one in particular, I think is the conversation around boundaries with clients, more so in the sense of expectations of what is your actual job? What are your actual duties and who gets to decide them? Yeah, I know. This is huge. Okay. So my biggest concern out there for service providers who are in contract with other businesses is that many of you are so willing to do anything and everything a client asks and vice versa. The client is ultimately treating you as if you're an extension of their team, which sounds good in theory, 
And what I want to add to your first sentence is you're willing to do anything and everything for that client, even at the detriment of getting them the results that they're after. Yeah. Sometimes you will do the thing they ask, even though you know it won't work or it'll specifically break the thing. (laughs) And then on top of that, you end up in many cases being your own boss, but creating a job for yourself rather than a business. And there is a difference. Yes. Yes. There is a difference. I saw recently someone posted a video about, you know, if you are a contract designer and you're charging X number of dollars an hour and you fill up your book with clients, in essence, you've just created your own salary and your own job, but you're not running a company and there's not room for growth or upward mobility for yourself. And when you own a company, not only do you want to create upward mobility for potential people you bring on into your business, but for yourself, <laughs> like, cause you owning a business is a career move, not a job change. Right. And this isn't to say that if you are building these relationships and you actually like it, that maybe one of those clients eventually offers you part-time or full-time work and you take it. That is not the problem. If that's the vibe you want to do and those decisions serve you differently in different seasons of your business, I am all here for it. However, if there's the battle of I'm feeling like I'm clocking in and showing up for work, but I'm the freaking owner of this business. And why does it feel this way? It's because this, that that's what's happening. It's this misalignment of roles. Right. And so we need to be clear on how you communicate when you communicate what your boundaries look like with your clients and what you're willing to do and when. And a lot of it is your clients are learning how to interact with you based on your behavior and patterns of what you allow, not necessarily what you say, because especially if what you say is in contrast to what you do, they'll pay far more attention to what you do than what you say. Yep. Every time, every time. And we also need to remember that, you know, sometimes we can have all the best systems and language and boundaries and expectations and everything outlined. And there are some clients who just struggle with really understanding this and really need either redirected or reframed, or eventually maybe this isn't actually going to work. I'm thinking of two specific clients that someone I know works with, and they couldn't be any different. They're both making some of the same quote unquote mistakes, right? Of like treating the service provider as an employee and they'll like offload new tasks without direction or that aren't even in the service providers like contract or capabilities or what they said they were going to offer. Or they add on it like a shit ton of extra things when they're only paying for this amount of hours or this package or whatever. But then one person is redirected and said, okay, if you want me to focus on these things instead, this is what's going to get eliminated, or this is how much time I'll be able to dedicate to them unless you want to increase your package, or this is like where we're going to be in 30 days if this is what we do. And then the client can be like, oh, okay, no, actually, this is actually what I want. And it's a clear redirection. And sometimes those conversations have to happen instead of just saying yes and piling it on and either not clocking those hours or like kind of fudging how long it takes you to do other things so you can get more done for the client. 
how the fudging ah! what you're doing so that it can like seem appealing to your client that you did it, but you're scared to admit how much time it actually took you. And so you're undercharging literally on purpose. Yep. The amount of you doing this is alarming. And I used I to do it. No. It's a people pleasing thing. Like you're like, oh, well, it only took me 15 minutes. And technically it was me replying to the email. So like, that doesn't really that eat doesn't into really their time. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Want to learn exactly step-by-step step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. 
After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Yeah. Y'all, I start my clock the second my butt senses in the chair. It's tracking when I'm even going to find the file I need to find in order to do this piece of the client work. It's tracking if I'm asking my team questions about what I need to do about this piece of the puzzle. Like that's part of it. Yeah. And I mean, ultimately, I do want to get you away from all the time because that can set some weird dynamics internally. But especially if you've had clients who overstep, 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 a starting point is you getting really clear on how much time you are spending and what you're actually making from the hours. Because I've seen many of you who have like a set package and then you exceeded their hours three days into the month (laughs) and then you're too chicken to turn around and let them know. And I wouldn't hesitate. And it feels weird. Trust me, it feels weird. And surprisingly, when you are professional about it, Mm -hmm. more times than not, people are receptive. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So how would you frame that? Literally, you're a week or two into the month and you're like three hours away from being over. What would you say? So I would email the client and said, and I would do project update, name a project. If it had a number or whatever, I would include that in the title and just say like timing concerns. And then in the body of the email, I would say, I wanted to keep you apprised that at this point in the month, we've already used this many hours of your package, which based on the scope of the rest of the work you wanted me to complete, we will well exceed the original package that you purchased. I'm happy to wrap it up at X point, or we will need to extend and you'll fall into overage, which is X rate per hour. Let me know how you would like to proceed. But you can't get to the point where you've already done so much of the work. Like that's irresponsible. Like if you hit a stopping point, then you need to stop. Like, you know, I've had projects in the past where I, you know, set like a rough estimate, but I genuinely had no idea how big the scope was going to be. And so I did move hourly and I said, it'll likely be a minimum of X, but I didn't say how many. And then I said, I wanted to get paid on a deposit and at the end of the project, well, the project bloomed to no, like three, four X, what we originally talked about minimum. And so a week into the project, I let them know their whole deposit was already gone at this point. Like we've gone through your whole deposit. I'll keep you posted as we run into additional hours. Another week goes by and it's clear, like it's going to be like 3000, 4,000 a week just to continue along this process. And we might be working together for months. And so instead of waiting to bill what could be $15,000, $20,000, $25,000. And hope they pay. (laughs) And hope they pay. I let them know that the scope of this project has changed significantly. And thus, I am going to move to weekly billing. I'll keep you posted on hours. 
and that keeps them more in the loop of like what's actually happening behind the scenes. But then if they didn't pay, I emailed them back and said, I appreciate you and wanted to let you know we will be pausing on this project until we receive payment. And then suddenly money appears. Weird. Weird how that Weird. works. And it's stuff like that. And it's like big boss decisions like that in ways of communication that reminds the client of the relationship. I feel like every time we don't stand up for ourselves that way or set that boundary or be clear on those terms, it muddies the water of I'm just a member of your team and I'm acting like an employee because whatever you give me, I have to do. And that is not the case. Yeah, no, you know, technically, if someone ballooned the scope so far beyond what you initially talked about, you have every right to cancel the project before it's over. Yep, 100%. Because that's not what you discussed. It's not what you discussed. Okay, so talk to me about, I'm wondering if you've ever been in this situation where you're working with a client. Because I know someone right now who's in this situation and the client, you know, bought this package and they have a couple of goals in mind of how they want to use the service provider's time. And it's being very, very clear that this client, they're very new at business. And so some of the things that they're needing to set up, I mean, it's, I mean, very basic where it's like, you need to establish your business name and your LLC and your URL. Like they're in the very beginning stages of their business. And they hired this particular service provider, not to help with that stuff, but to help with the like systems and communication that this person wants to have with her contractors and her team because she is hiring and she's growing and there's like SOPs that need figured out and all that stuff because the service provider is the systems person, not the like business. I don't even know what that person would be called, like a business man, not even a manager, but like helping you start create your business, right? I mean, some of those people are lawyers right, or right. tax consultants. There is not this service provider at right, all whatsoever. Totally. And the client, though, keeps coming to the service provider stuck on these type of phases. And I've seen this happen more than once where the service provider feels so responsible for the client, like doing the right thing and being legal and being set up and also feeling kind of guilty of like, oh, my gosh, if they hire me and then their business is not set up properly, like, what does that mean? And it's so interesting seeing the service provider really shift and ignore the things that they even got hired to do to like put out this fire and be a part of this like emergency that's happening right here. And I find that so interesting every time that happens. Yeah. I mean, have I been pulled into things that were not part of my role, not part of my job, not part of what we talked about? Absolutely. I think my thing with that is like, what would you do if it was a friend approaching you, but like not a great friend? (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's not your mom calling and saying, I have a project and I thought I had all this other shit and I need help. I mean, if it were my mama, I'd be like, I'm coming over. We'll figure it out. We'll like get on the computer and find all the things. But if it was like a friend, but we weren't close... I would be like, oh, those are some great questions. Here's a couple resources that I think might be helpful. Literally, that's what the service provider did. And the client is like, those are too long. I don't want to read them. I think I'm just not going to take action on that right now. So I want you to just do this other work. And so I told the service provider just being like, okay, you can either fire the client. Like if you don't feel ethically like that you should be in that, then fire the client and just ignore it. Like it's not your business. It's not your problem. If she's paying you, that's her problem to figure out. Well, and technically, if she's paying her and she doesn't have the business set up, she's paying her as a sole prop. And so, like, that's a tax implication on the person. Right. 
Right. Not on, on, not the, on person the person being provider. paid. Right. right. Exactly. Because how you're paid doesn't really matter. No. You've got to track your shit and that's all they really care about. But I just find it interesting in the sense of like taking such extreme responsibility for the decisions that your clients are making when yeah, ultimately they could affect you. Like if she doesn't get her shit together, like could she be in business in six months and then the service provider doesn't have a job? Sure. But you still have a business because you've been building a business and not creating a job. Right. No, for sure. I think you just have to set some boundaries. And and like, if I got an email back, like, I don't think I'm going to take action on it because it was too long. I would say something like, ultimately, that's your decision. I find that unfortunate, though, because it might put you in a weird position, blah, blah, blah. Here's what I'm going to focus on. And like, here's what I'm going to do. And make it very clear that you're not involved. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, I would likely do a Google search. Also, like, the amount of people that don't just literally attempt to Google anything. Oh, my lanta. This is a total side note, but I saw this video about what it's like to be a programmer. And I have a lot of friends who are in computer science and, like, programming is what they do for a living. And... They're like, honestly, being a programmer is really just knowing how to Google well what I need to find because someone already did it. And I'm like, no doubt in my mind that like that is just an ability I have very deep rooted. You, you are such come at me a good with- Googler. I think I'm a good Googler. You are next level. <laughs> I'm just, I'm like, I don't even know. I don't know. It's a gift. It's. I I will sometimes literally text you or call you and be like, this is the answer I'm trying to find. What would you search to find this answer? Knowing I've already done like my level of work first. And she's like, bop new phrase and like figure it out. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. It is a gift. I do understand that some people don't know how to do it, but also like the only way you're going to get better at it is by trying. Yes. And we're not living in the early 90s when your only option was to go to the library and like look something up in a book. Like, yeah. You well, have so resources. Because my husband is the worst Googler ever. He, I, I don't even know if he thinks the website exists. Like that, He might need to be introduced to Google because he will just ask me the questions and I literally just pull up my phone or the iPad and I Google it and I'm like, here. I'm like, I don't know the answer to that either. How do you think I'm going to find it? <laughs> Go look it up, bro. I think people think I'm smarter more of the time. And I'm like, I really... It's I not me, y'all. It it's Google. <laughs> I just looked it up. <laughs> not me. Really. When I read, I think I have what you have for Google for books. Because like, you'll say something and I'm like, ooh, there's this passage or chapter or something in this particular book. I'm going to go find it because I think this will help the conversation. So I can like catalog book, books I've read in that way. Which is a whole I don't know. Skill. It's a gift. Okay. Anyway, so <laughs> back to the conversation at hand. So I think when it all comes down to it, we have to be grownups. <laughs> we have to be clear communicators. We have to not just like, I think the biggest problem is taking things on because we feel like we have to, or we feel like we're going to disappoint them if we tell them the full truth. Uh-huh. And it's not even that the truth is bad necessarily. It's just different than the truth we started with 
or like the truth we agreed to when we began the project. And do you know why when you build a house, it always costs like 150% of what was estimated? And this is the example I was going to give too, is like, if you were this person with a boundary, especially for scope creep and like fudging your hours or whatever, I would imagine the picture, the skills that you're offering as like lumber, paint, fabric, furniture, whatever, physical, tangible items that like you as a contractor or designer or a laborer of some kind would not buy those things or put the things up without getting paid. You can't even order them until you're paid. Like that's not the world that they live in. And so picture, or if like you spend this amount and you bought this many landscape rocks, but you need four times more, you're going to need to buy more to get the project finished. And so like, think of it as like an actual supply that you do or do not have. It's a supply and demand thing. And even if you're doing the work virtually and it's digital and blah, 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 that doesn't make it any less tangible. I mean, it does make it less tangible, but you know what I mean? Right, right. right. It's still an offer. And I know people get caught up in the, well, they could do it. They don't want to. That's why they hired you. And even if they could, they just really don't want to. Like I've been in the middle of a project where I'm like, damn, I am so over this. I do not want to keep going. It's really not fun. And then I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh, I'm getting paid this. <laughs> and then I like giggle to myself a little bit and I'm like, yeah, I, I, can, do I, that, I, guess. I can maybe turn on some Pandora and like get a groove going and look at these ridiculous things and knock it out because ultimately if they sent you a file from 2017 that hasn't been updated yet it's because they didn't want to update exactly exactly yeah i think we just forget the value of the results that we provide you know all the time i hear like well this is so easy for me or i just know how to do this and how wouldn't anyone else because they don't they just have other shit to worry about they do they're thinking about 75 other things Yeah. And that's okay. Let them like, let us draw those boundaries. So if anything, I want you to come away from this realizing that if you are the service provider and you are hired, that ultimately your contract for hire, you're not an employee. Right. And so in my opinion, to protect yourself, you should be the one writing the contract or with legal counsel writing your own contract. So you are in control of payment, scope, if there's any sort of dispute, all of those legal ramifications. And then if there's any sort of question, you've backed yourself up with, well, here's what happens if you decide to do this. Yeah. I have one more question I want to bring up to you or how would you tackle? Because I know we as the employers or the hiring of contractors have literally said this phrase before. And there's a service provider I know who her client has just said this to her. And she said it to me and I was like triggered (laughs) because it like brought up so many things. So I'm like, okay, what advice would I give her right now to not be in the same position we were? Because I know how he feels and I also know how you feel. So you remember how we have said to contractors before, I just feel like I'm underutilizing you and I really want to get more projects on your plate, but I'm not sure what else you can do for me. Is that your job as the service provider or your job as the person hiring, as the client or the person hiring to figure out how you can serve that client? I think it completely depends 
on how you set up the relationship initially, but theoretically what you're actually saying is I'm unhappy with the results you're providing me and I am your client. And so if it's important to you as the service provider that I get results, then you need to look at the deliverables you've been delivering and see maybe it's not about adding, but are there different things you need to be doing to help me achieve the result that I hired you to achieve. I 100% agree. I think it comes down to the result that they thought they would be getting. And maybe you're doing the work that you guys have talked about, but is it not achieving the whole result, right? Because sometimes I think as the person hiring a contractor, you have this problem in mind. This is, again, goes back to not creating the solution before you're hiring for the problem. So part of it is that, but it's like, I have this giant problem in mind. And I think that it's going to be achieved by this, right? By someone coming in and managing my inbox and scheduling my meetings and events and like doing that kind of like admin type work. So you bring in someone and they're doing these things and you're like, okay, I'm underutilizing you. Why? Because I still feel this. I still feel the problem that I thought would be solved by just this one solution. And it's not. Which it very well is... (laughs) The person who hired you's issue, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't listen to what result they are truly after and get creative with how you can deliver. So here's what I would do. And here's what I suggested to the service provider. I said almost those exact same things. I, as a boss or the person hiring have said that phrase. So what did that really mean when I said that phrase to that person? Because it didn't mean that they weren't doing whatever tasks that they were doing great at all. Disappointed in you or the work you've done. It's just, I feel like there's more here that can be happening and it's not. So where is the miscommunication? So A, is it part of the expectations that they think you're an employee and there's just some like resetting of boundaries that happen. But I would do is set a meeting, 30 minutes is all you need. And just be like, we've been working together for this long. And I just want to get realigned with the goals that you have within the scope of our project. Where would you like to be in 30 days, 60 days, 90 days? What would you like to be taken off your plate or seen happen? Or how else can I better serve you in my role as your admin or your copywriter or your designer or whatever it might be, because it still has to be within that bucket. You don't need to just like invent all these other things that you get to do and really get realigned with those expectations and the ultimate result that they're actually after. And if you're in systems or admin, for example, oh, okay, you would like me to have a better understanding of like the project management system that you use. So maybe I could come in and take this part of the process off your plate. And is that something that you as the service provider want to learn about and explore so you can offer those kind of things? But the like headspace that has to be in is, do you want to learn about it and explore it to then offer it? They don't need to train you on it. That's the like, because you're not an employee, you are not being brought into going about business in the way that they are. And this is where I get tripped up on admin or general VA work, because I just think that adds a level of murkiness to what's being provided. And you're paying for labor. I get that. But then more often than not, the laborer, the service provider is underestimating how much they're doing frequently. And then you're taking advantage of someone or you're being taken advantage of depending on who you are in the relationship. And I just think that's a slippery slope, but it is worth reassessing. And it might be a good sign that you need to 
re-up your contract or update your contract to be more clear on what deliverables. I wouldn't make adjustments to what you deliver without addressing your contract and both signing off on it. Agreed. Yep. I love it. Well, I hope you found this helpful. And as a service provider, I hope you saw some opportunities for you to be more honest with your clients, not because you've been lying to them, but because you've been lying to yourself and thus lying to them, yep. <laughs> which is different. Yep. It all comes from a good place. And we hope you feel more equipped to have those conversations in a really safe and equitable way. Thanks for listening to the Strategy Hour podcast. For show notes, links, downloads, and other awesome resources, head to thestrategyhour.com. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean so much to the both of us if you'd take a minute to leave a review. And while you're at it, don't forget to subscribe so you can listen next time as we dish out some more awesome strategy. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.